Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Yesterday, as we reflected on the idea that Christianity is about relationship with Jesus instead of rules, you'll recall that that kind of breaks down when we get to Jesus' words, when he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I hope that you caught the closing reflection. Well, we brought, at least hopefully, brought some clarity to that. But here's the thing. Even, even the it's just a relationship people have the same problem as the supposed legalism people that they sometimes rail against, which is that it's just as easy to be dogmatic and legalistic about that perspective. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's listener-supported daily audio Bible where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including sometimes letting it get in our business, including mine. And I like how Tony Merida and Francis Chan put it. Here's their definition. Legalism is self-atonement. It's a self-salvation project that only leads to pride or despair. We must resist the gospel of human achievement. Now, one of my points of angst as I work on my doctorate in spiritual formation is the amount of material out there that is functionally just like that. Meaning, it's, you know, it's books that are quick to say, uh, that way to pray is wrong. You, you got to do it this way to experience the presence of God. But unless I'm missing something, our sanctification and growth in maturity isn't the result of something we do, per se. It's our, catch this, it's our response to something God has done already and is doing. Further, Jesus said, Hey, yo, Peter, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. You meaning keep my commandments, feed my sheep, act according to this. But there's an important sequence here that we're going to see here in this last chapter of Philippians. We first receive, then we respond to God and others passing along what we received. Sorry for the long intro. Okay, I'm not sorry. (laughs) Give a listen. Philippians chapter 4. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what care is, my friends. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. And I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you, Philippians, know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. I just got to pause. One of my favorite little verses is 3 John verse 8, where he's commending Gaius saying that when you write checks, you are a co-worker in the truth. Here's what, here's what Paul says here. This is Philippians 4.17. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have in and I have in abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Oh, my friends. I'm not feeling good today. So thank you for just kind of hanging with how it's rolling today. But I just want to point out that received pass along thing because it, it, it didn't occur in that sequence in the text that we read today, right? Paul says, imitate me, but he's not, he's just saying, I happen to be the God's instrument. What he's really saying is look at Jesus like I'm doing and rejoice with me. And because you have received all of this awesome in and through the Lord and his instruments like me, now you go do likewise. Set your hearts on these good things. As turning back to our Old Testament segment, today we wrap up the book of Exodus. And I just want to dive right in. One theme along the way today is a continuation of yesterday, 
But all of the preparation we've been reading about for the last several days, which admittedly sometimes gets a little boring. I hate to say it, but it is. But it all culminates today in the in all of these parts being assembled with regard to the tabernacle. And then there is a grand finale of sorts. So Exodus chapter 40, I trust you'll see what I mean. The Lord spoke to Moses. You are to set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting on the first day of the month. Put the ark of the testimony there and screen off the ark with the curtain. Then bring in the table and lay out its arrangement Also, bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar for incense in front of the Ark of the Testimony. Put up the screen for the entrance to the tabernacle. Position the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Assemble the courtyard, the surrounding courtyard, and hang the screen for the gate of the courtyard. Then take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it along with all its furnishings so that it will be holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar so that it will be especially holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the, to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Clothe Aaron with the holy garments, anoint him and consecrate him so that he can serve me as priest. Have his sons come forward and clothe them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so that they may also serve me as priests. Their anointing will serve to inaugurate a permanent priesthood for them throughout the generations. That's an important line. Their anointing will serve to inaugurate a permanent priesthood for them throughout their generations. And you and I know that the Aaronic priesthood was an important thing all the way through to Jesus, right? Moses, here's that line again. Moses did everything as the Lord had commanded him. The tabernacle was set up in the first month of the second year on the first day of the month. Moses set up the tabernacle, he laid its bases, positioned its supports, inserted its crossbars, and set up its pillars. Then he spread the tent of, over the tabernacle and put the covering on, of the tent on top of it, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses took the testimony and placed it in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, set the mercy seat on top of the ark. He brought the ark into the tabernacle, put up the curtain for the screen, and screened off the ark of the testimony just as the Lord had commanded him. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the curtain. He arranged the bread on it before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord, just as the You can see how this goes? Just as the Lord had commanded him. Moses installed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it, just as the Lord had commanded him. He put up the screen at the entrance to the tabernacle. He placed the altar of the burnt offering at the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered the burnt offering and grain offering on it, just as the Lord had commanded him. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. Moses, Aaron, and his sons washed their hands and feet from it. They washed whenever they came to the tent of meeting and approached the altar. 
just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And next, Moses set up the surrounding courtyard for the tabernacle and the altar and hung a screen for the gate of the courtyard. So Moses finished the work. My friend, we have a scant four verses to go in the book of Exodus. For a couple days, we've been listening to blah, 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 just as the Lord had commanded. My friends, do we, does God have any, is God just about following rules? What does he want? He wants relationship. What did we see in Genesis 1 and 2? What do we see in Revelation 20 and 21? Right? Here is the end of the book of Exodus. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The Israelites set out whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle throughout all the stages of their journey. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out it, set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and there was a fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey. And that concludes the book of Exodus. My friends, what do we want from a good father? Provision, protection, direction. And don't we kind of want God to be with us like God was in the Garden of Eden? Like God has promised to fully restore in what we'll, what we'll call heaven? Yet right here and now, we are not left without comfort and counsel because right here and now, you are the temple in which he dwells. And what does he want for you? What do we want from a good, good father? Provision, protection, direction. And I believe he wants for you what he wanted for the Philippian church, even in a couple ways. I'm just going to close here with a little bit of Proverbs and then I'm just going to, I want to share one additional thing. I, I, I think that will connect what we're talked about the Philippian church and what we just saw imaged in the tabernacle construction and God's glory coming to, to fill it. But before we get there, our wisdom segment today is Proverbs picking up in chapter 10, verse 23. As shameful conduct is pleasure for a fool, so wisdom is for a person of understanding. What the wicked dreads will come to him, but what the righteous desire will be given to them. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked are no more, but the righteous are secure forever. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so the slacker is to the one who sends him on an errand. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. 
The hope of the righteous is joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. And I think we'll close with this one. Catch this. The way of the Lord is a stronghold for the honorable, but destruction awaits evildoers. The way of the Lord. My friends, I don't know if this analogy works for you or not, but I find it useful to sometimes think about abiding in the Holy Spirit as like being tuned into a radio station and, you know, for those of us of a certain vintage, you might remember when an AM radio station would seem to drift a little bit and you kind of got to hit the retune dial. But if you want the comfort and counsel of the Holy Spirit, right? If you want the provision, protection, and direction that God wants to bless you with, I think it's useful for us to continue to come back and go, what, what is the nature of, of staying tuned in. And I think sometimes it's useful to consider roots. So for this very final two minutes, I want you to think about how the Philippian church began, right? We know this out of Acts, I think it's about chapter 16, right? But the Philippian church, broadly speaking, began with kind of two Two parts, submission to the Spirit and evangelistic encounters. Submission to the Spirit was like like Luke told us about Paul on his second missionary journey and how he received a vision from a man saying, cross over to Macedonia and help us. Right? And this is the story of the founding of the church. Right, He sees Lydia and her family along with some other ladies, which might have been Euodia and Syntyche that we heard about. But then there were a couple other stories about a slave girl and then a jailer and his family being, you know, coming to Christ while Paul was in jail and some other new brothers. So when Paul left, what was their response, right? I mean, they're like, we received this. We want to give we want to advance the mission. We want to pay it forward. And he, you know, they became, they were this tiny little upstart church who became like one of his, his loyal supporters. And I think that is the kind of the two parts that I think are useful for us to consider. When God tabernacles in you, our staying in touch with the with the blessing that God wants is both relational and it's obedience. It is both that continuous day after day submission to the spirit, knowing that he wants good things to provide, to protect and to direct. And then since Jesus himself said, you'll receive Acts 1.8, you'll receive power. And you'll be my witnesses. The reason that God wants to partner with you is because he's wanted to be with you since the very beginning. And he wants to be with others and has asked you to be the ambassador in the process. My friends, It isn't always easy to let your light shine before others. 
But when we have received such generous and loyal love, how can we not just want to just love others with that? You wouldn't think about giving somebody a hundred bucks if you had 10 million in the bank, right? Well, we do have 10 million in the bank. I love you, my friends. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll just move each and every one of us by the power of your Holy Spirit. That even today, you would just provide for us an encounter. That we would know both be submissive to the Spirit, but we would also, Lord, be obedient just to love someone else in your name. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.